how appropriate that we would be in a series called Hero. And you'll notice on the graphic that that is a zero instead of an O. And, and I had the picture for that as soon as God gave me the title for the series, that, that God uses the unqualified, or what we think is unqualified. And so every time God has asked me to do something, I've never looked right back at him and thought, oh yeah, I'm perfect for that. Like, that's, that's never been my response. I, I think it's good to be humble, but usually it's not just humility, it's I don't see myself as being able to carry that. And, and I've seen what God, who God has tapped on the shoulders for other things, and, and I'm often amazed. And it's like, God, you can do amazing things through anybody, and part of his glory that he gets is just in getting there with, with pieces that don't seem to be enough to make it happen. And so my life's a story of that, this church is, and the Bible is full of stories like that, stories of God using the unqualified. We are focusing on a few different things where people would strongly feel like they are inept or unable to sign up for something. And so we talked last week about Gideon and his fear. And I wouldn't want to ask somebody to lead if they were afraid. Like, that would be, I would be very uncomfortable following somebody who was afraid. You want somebody that's just a little bit stupid, right? And uh, like, yeah, you're like, right, here we go. And, uh, and so, uh, but like, Gideon had to deal with his fear, and God said, I can still use you. What about past failures? This keeps so many people away from God's plans or the fullness of God's plans for their lives because they see themselves as being disqualified by things that they have done or things that, they have, that has happened to them. It, that's either part of your life or somebody that you are close to. And so you're like, I, that, that could have been me, but you don't know me. And after the things I've done, there's no way that God could use me for that. And, uh, and then how about too young? The Bible is full of stories of God tapping on the young and, and, and just the inexperienced. Or how about just the ordinary? We're going into Christmas, and so our, I'll, I'll give you a spoiler right now. Our, our last person that we're going to study, our last hero is Mary. And just the absolute ordinariness of Mary. And, and God said, I can use that. What about an outsider? What about somebody who just didn't even maybe grow up with the same faith and, and they're brand new to Christianity? I've seen people come to faith and God drop big assignments on their plate immediately. And people around are like, um, God, did you know that he didn't even know who you were a few weeks ago? Like, how can God do that? How can he use the, the outsider? How can he use the ordinary? How can he use the inexperienced? How can he use past failures? How can he use the fearful? That's what we're working through. So last week, we talked about Gideon, and we, just, we, we said that he was a judge. And I'll, I'll recap uh, the background on judges again, just because I know some of you all weren't here, and that's okay. We want to keep people connected with the story. And so these two weeks in particular are out of the book of Judges. And so the book of Judges is early in the Bible, and it's because it's right after the time where Israel basically had taken over the land that God had promised them. And so we had uh, Moses led them out of Egypt. Uh, Joshua led them into the promised land. They, they, they whooped on everybody there. They set up their new places to live. Um, and, and Joshua said, I'm going home. 
He had no intention of remaining their king, although he was still their leader for a time after being there. He said, God is our king, and we're just supposed to follow him and keep moving forward. And so then Israel fell into this pattern, which you'll see throughout the Bible. And if you look closely at your own life, you'll see it in your own life. And that's where we fall away from God. And, and as a nation, the nation would fall away, and then they would become overrun by other tribes and other people that would then begin to move in um, as a result of them basically being disobedient. And then they would get to the place, and maybe you have personal experience with this, I do, of, oh my gosh, dear Lord, literally, I have gotten myself into trouble. I need you to rescue me. I need a hero. And so here we are again, and we're at a place in the story where Israel needs a hero again. And so today we're talking about Samson, and I'm going to introduce you to him on his very worst day. If you go to Judges 16.21, it says this. Judges 16.21, and we're going to be um, in Judges 16 for the morning. It says, so the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. Ouch. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Let's add some detail, some color to this picture. Samson is attached by chain to a grinding wheel, basically. His time in prison is basically assigned as your hands are on this piece of wood, most likely, and it's attached to this larger thing, and you get to walk in circles for hours and hours, day after day, we are going to keep dumping in heads of grain and then sweeping it out after you've crushed it. And oh, by the way, keep walking in circles. And don't mind that on this day, or when he first got there, that his eyes are healing from literally having something stuck in. We won't get, it's Halloween's over. We don't want to be too gross. Um, let's see, it's Christmas now, or it's holiday. So no, he... It says gouged out. He had working eyeballs the day before, okay? And they weren't there anymore. And he is chained, and you'll find out for good reason if you're not familiar with this story yet, to this place, to this wheel, and this is where we open up. Why would I open up with this picture? Because I think all of us have come to a place in our life where we say, how did I get here? Right? And I don't know what bottom of the barrel or under what rock you crawled out from under at some point. We, we, we have a catchphrase or a, a phrase that we say of people hitting rock bottom. Many people have to before they see that there's a better way to live, before they cry out for God or, or whatever. And I don't know where that was for you if it's a part of your story but it's a part of many. And so we see this picture of Samson in basically at life's worst and probably would have wished for death at times, right? And so 
we should all be able to identify with that on some piece where, where life has just gone extremely wrong. How did I get here? Well, what's the real answer to that? Did he just wake up that day and kind of mess up and end up, end up in, in prison? No, we get to those places a little at a time, right? And, and so that's the truth. Nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to mess up my life today. I really hope that by, yes, by sunset, I'm going to be in prison tonight if everything goes according to plan. Like, no. Like, I really hope that I can be estranged from all of my relatives in a 24-hour period. Like, I really hope that I can, yes, I I really, want my, I really want my third DUI so I can get the really cool license plate today. That would be awesome. Like, you, we don't wake up wanting trouble. We don't wake up wanting all the pain that comes from failure. But we get there a piece at a time. And so let's recap Samson. I can't read it all. We're basically covering three chapters of the book of Judges. And, and so the whole book is a, is a sequence of, of different judges that led Israel that would fill in and basically be a hero for a time period. And so we're, we're talking about uh, Judges 13 through 16 in the Bible. And, and, and Samson's story begins as a miracle baby. One of the many in the Bible where the mother is barren, like, and, and they know that she should not be able to have children. She had wanted children and couldn't have children. And God sends an angel and says, you are going to have a baby. This is how Samson's life got started, as a miracle, as a, as a son of promise. And oh, by the way, already with an assignment for greatness on his life. And so he gets, his mother gets these instructions of, of things that she has to do even while she's pregnant for him. The angel says, this one is going to be set apart for God. So you need to abstain from these foods. He needs to abstain from these foods. And oh, by the way, every kid's dream, like my son gets mad at me when we make him cut his hair. Like this guy was not allowed to have his hair cut. Ding, ding. Like... No trips to the barber ever. But there's something bigger behind that. And so there was this, there's this position that God refers to called a Nazarite vow where even as you were already old enough to, to basically make decisions for yourself, you could take a vow as a Nazarite and basically set yourself apart for, for worshiping the Lord and you had to follow these specific rules. And this was told about Samson before he was born. He had a couple flaws. He had a temper. And he had an issue with women. Now, I've never known any guys that have either of those two problems, let alone both together. This is a man's man. This guy trips over the same things that, that a lot of guys trip over, like anger and lust. And this guy is just, I mean, just power-packed. But he's, he's been anointed with the Spirit of God, and he was a real-life superhero. It makes this mention of this phrase that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, and he could do some serious butt-whooping in a moment. 
I mean, it talks about him taking out hundreds of people and, and, and having these encounters. Um, he loses this bet over a riddle where he's got to all of a sudden come up with 30 outfits for the 30 guys that he bet against. What does he do? He goes and kills 30 guys and takes their clothes and gives them to the guys he lost the bet to. That's in the Bible. This is our hero for the day. He had trouble with, with women over and over again. And, and most famously, the last one, and right before he ends up in that prison, is who? What's this lady's name? Delilah. Some of you know the story. Delilah. What kind of woman is this? Not a good one. And he's stupid. He can't quit Delilah. How did he end up in that prison? She is working on him. She is asking him for the secret of his strength. And she keeps asking him. Like, run, don't walk, right? Like, you can do better than this. She's out to get you. And she wears him down. And noticeably, the last thing that he gives as like a, he, he makes up these crazy things. Like, if you tie me up with vines, if you tie me up with ropes. And then finally, the last thing that he lies about, he says, if you braid my hair, like, I don't know what, I mean, it must have been crazy. Like, you had to weave it into something. And he's like, basically, if you do this certain thing to my hair, then I will lose my strength. Well, what we see from that is that he's wearing down. And she's getting closer and closer to the truth. He's closer and closer to giving away everything. And then she comes at him with those eyes. And she says, baby, why don't you love me? You keep lying to me. Now keep in mind that every time he lies to her, he's waking up to people trying to kill him. We're not dealing with a highly intelligent person here. Or he's just that much more smitten over his intelligence level. I don't know, but like this seems to be easy, like easy. But yet how many of us have ended up in a pit and we're like, how did I get here? Me too. So he tells her, He says, I'm not supposed to cut my hair. This hair was basically a, a physical symbol of, of his life still being set apart for God, even with all of the ridiculous things that he was doing. And so she shaves him. And she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. The men were there to hurt him. Now they've been they've been there a few times before and they've they walked away with some with some blood and some bruises. So maybe they were a little skeptical. But Samson wakes up and he's ready to get himself out of a jam again by by flexing his super muscles and taking care of whatever problem was there. And he had nothing. Israel needed a hero. 
Don't you think God could have found somebody a little more qualified this time? This is one of those heroes in the Bible that, like, still never really has full hero status. Like, you don't see a lot of baby Samsons out there. You know what I mean? Like, you get some Gideons, you get some Moseses. Like, of course, Johns and Lukes. Like, Samson's kind of like that hero with the asterisks, right? Like, you really don't want your kid to be like Samson, right? Like, there's, there's, the story's tainted. We still don't see him fully as a hero because we see these great flaws. And that's, I'll say this again and again. You'll hear it a thousand times from me. It's one of the reasons why I believe with my whole life that the Bible is true because if it was propaganda, there would not be stories like Samson in it. This is a human, a foul, I mean, this is a, this is a troubled person that has some significant flaws that most of us in church leadership would, like we wouldn't allow him to be an elder in the church. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't support his church plant. Like, like these would be red flags. Like this guy's got, these guys, this guy has some big issues. And yet God says, you're my guy for this time. Now, we don't know all of the good that he did. It says that Samson was Israel's judge for 20 years. So I've got to think that there was maybe some good there too. And here's the thing. He looked the part. He was strong. It would have been noticeable that he was a Nazarite. Like, not everybody was walking around with all of their hair length from birth. Like this would have been, this would have stood out. People in his culture would have known exactly why his hair was not to be cut. And so they would have said, wow, this guy's the real deal. He looks like the real deal. Oh my gosh, I want that guy, I want that guy on my team. Like you're picking him first on the football, on, out on the grass field, right? Like that guy's on my team. He looks the part. He's definitely set aside from God. But inside, even though he was empowered by the Spirit, he was dominated by the flesh. And so we have these legendary accomplishments, but then we have, they're mirrored by this series of legendary failures. And yet God uses him to deliver Israel and to help lead Israel for 20 years. How do we go from zero to hero when we mess up and fail God? Because Samson is a lot like us. There is tremendous potential inside of each and every one of us for the kingdom of God, and yet so often we hit the self-destruct button. Right? So how do, we, how do we move from failure to, to what God has from us? How do we go from zero to hero when we mess up and we fail God? There's three parts we're going to zero in on today. Number one, I'll read them all to you and then we'll go through them. Number one is repent for the failure. Number two, remember the call. Number three, return to the fight. I'm going to go through these. I know that was fast. Number one, repent for the failure. A key, a big point for today, a big thought is a failure is an event, not an, an identity. And failures can be a series of events. And, and the danger is that we would then take on those failures as our identity. And so this is a problem for, um, 
I've got a friend whose son just got out of jail, and um, he's been and and he is having trouble figuring out how to not live life like a prisoner and somebody that belongs in jail. Right? He has picked up an identity that is attached to failures he's made, and it's affecting what he's doing right now. Even though he's completely free, like, he's still living. Do you see what I'm saying? And so we can walk in this failures. Well, this is, this is what I am. I, this is, these are the things that, is, that have happened in my life, so this is who I am. A failure is an event, not your identity. Two responses to failure. You can settle in or you can move on. And that's because we've got two choices of how to react. We can have remorse or we can have repentance. Remorse is what you find with your kids. They are very disappointed that they got caught. They are really not sorry so much as they are just not happy to, to be having to face the punishment for what they did. Like there's, there's really no, I get this, I shouldn't have done that. Um, yes, my sibling is, is also a human being created by God and I probably should be kinder to them. I see the error of my ways and so I want to live differently. No. You got a good 18 plus years of no. They're not going to, they just no. And, and you, you hopefully get glimpses of remorse as they get older. That's part of mature, or, or of repentance as they get older. That's part of maturity. But remorse versus repentance. Remorse is really, it stays all about you and that it's somebody else's fault. Like, ah, oh man, I, I wouldn't end up in this mess if, if that dang Delilah, like, she didn't have to go blabbing my secret to everybody. That's remorse right? Man, if I just would have, ooh, if I could have just, it's, it's just remorse. You're, you're, there's nothing changing about your insides in, in, at this point of failure. And then repentance is, oh my gosh, it is my fault that I am here. Now, maybe you were dealt a bad deck or a deck that was short. I don't know what, what life was like growing up. You can, I've seen, um, I mean, nurture is a big part of, of who we are as people, and I, I know that. I've, I've, I've seen the kids that have come from, from tough homes. They have a significantly taller hill to climb. But at some point, the ownership of your life, that, like the title, is, is, it's in your name. And, and, and so the, the actions that you do cannot be, you can say, well, I'm, I struggle with this because of this happening to me, but ultimately you're going to be responsible for what you do. And that's what repentance says. Repentance says, oh my gosh, this is my mess. This is my life. That is my future. I don't want it to look like my past. Those are those conversations when you get to that point, that is repentance. And so repentance is where you are changing directions. You have had enough of this. It doesn't mean that that thing's not going to be something you trip over uh, in the future, but it means it's, it's something that you are steering your life away from on purpose. And remorse just lets you settle in. What do you do when you know you've blown it? What do you do when you know you've wasted an opportunity? What do you do when you know you've said the things you shouldn't or done the things you shouldn't? You can't unsin 
There's no take backs, right? That's, that's like the, ah. You can't unsin. The only way out is to change, and that's to repent. And so we, we celebrated communion today, and God has, has, has designed for us that if we will get to that point of repentance and we will claim the blood of Christ over those sins, he says they're gone. That's pretty amazing. Number one is repent for the failure. Number two is remember the call. And this is also a big part of deciding whether or not to move forward or not and whether or not the failure is going to become your identity or whether you're going to go back to what God said about you in the first place or even after those failures. I can remember being in trouble plenty of times, and my mom's phrase was this. Well, she had many, but there are only a few I can say here. Um, One of them was, why don't you go sit and think about what you've done. Did, is that like taught to like mom classes around the world? Like, who is her? Like, you've all heard that. I see Jason's got his hand up. You need to just go think about what you've done. Oh, man, that's lousy. I'd really rather forget it. Thank you. Can you picture Samson walking in circles day in and day out? This guy's got nothing but time to think about what he has done do you think that he unraveled every mistake every step that got him into that pit because i've done that and you start thinking oh my gosh if i'd have never if i'd have never said hi to that delilah if i'd have oh if i would have dealt with this lust problem before oh if i if and you start going back and you start unraveling all the mistakes that have come to the, come to that point but then you also start going back and you start thinking i'm a miracle my mom wasn't able to have kids and god gave her me and look what, I mean, you can see there, there is some remorse, there's some things there, but then there's also a remembrance of the call. And he's like, I'm a Nazarite. God has something for me. There's a reason why I'm set apart. God has used me to defeat the Philistines. He's used me to lead his people. He's used me before. And you start to remember what has been spoken over your life. Uh, verse 22, there in chapter 16, get this. It's a funny little verse. It says, but before long, his hair began to grow back. We don't like that time where we get to think about it. If we would have our first, if we would have our way, then it would be great if we could just really get to a point of sincere apology and then, whew, get that right, like, I don't know. It, let's, let's not talk about that anymore. Is that how it works? Depending on the failure, like, it has, 
And I'm not trying to like hurt anybody's feelings, but like there's consequences to things. And depending on what we've done, some of these tentacles from these things come winding way out into our future. So it's like you can't fully get away from some of these things. Aren't you glad you came to church today? We'll make you feel fantastic. Here's the beauty of that, though, is that while we are going through the grind, we are growing. Because we are processing that pain. We are seeing the effects of what we've done. And that is something like forced maturity, basically, when you start to really see the ripples that can come out of a decision that you make. And it, it, it puts something in your mind. It puts something in your heart. And that is growing up. And so we would love to go right from repentance to the next day. Like, let's just, that's all gone. Now, God isn't dwelling on it. It says that it's, when he forgives us, it's not held up against us any further. But that doesn't mean that the, the effects are canceled out. I think oftentimes they're softened. I really do. I've seen him redeem all kinds of terrible things. But that process, that grind that is so painful for us after we have come out of something that we shouldn't have done or a place that we shouldn't have been or, or something we shouldn't have said and we've got to rebuild that relationship again and it's a grind. This says that Samson's hair was growing. And that is so significant because that is the piece that defined his life being separate for God. Number one, repent for the failure. Number two, remember the call. Number three, return to the fight. Let's go to verse 23. I'm going to read through 30. Judges 16:23 says this. It says the Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their God Dagon. They said, Our God has given us victory over our enemy Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people so that he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Even in our failures or in spite of our failures, God can still accomplish His purposes. Failures are events. 
not people. And even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. There's a sentence, a phrase I like from uh, an author, Chris McAllister. He says, you can't change the past, but you can change your relationship to the past. Because you can even say, that version of me is who I am. I can't escape who I am. Like that, that, is, what, that is what our enemy would, would have you stay in, is that this, you are defined by your failures. The other way to look at it is say, that's who I never want to be again. Thank you, Jesus, for setting me free from Adam 1.0. Like, the world's a better place. I'm in a better place. God, you can use me for different things because I'm available to you and you've set me free from these things. Even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. So how do we go from zero to hero when we've messed up, we have past failures in our life, and we've failed God? Number one is repent for the failure. This is, this is the gateway into his mercy because it's there and it's waiting for you. And there will be all kinds of thoughts that want to keep you from even doing that. It just says, I need to do something different with my life. There has to come a moment where you say, this is not who God made me to be. There is something better for me. This is not what I want to see in me in my future. This is not something that I want to see in my kids. This is not something that I want to keep around. This has to go. That's repentance. Number two, remember the call. God has a purpose for your life in spite of the stupid things we do and will do. He has a plan for us, and if we will return to the path that he has for us, he will put us back to work. Number three, return to the fight. So many people stay stuck in their past, even whether it's been pain that's been caused by other people or pain that you've brought on by, them, by themselves, that, that that is not the place to stay. And I have seen God use everything and anything as a platform for his kingdom. And I would encourage you to give from your pain. Whatever you've come through, there's somebody else that needs to know that it's possible to walk away from. If there's something that has been a part of your life, something that's happened to you, something that's, that, that you've walked through, there's somebody else that needs to hear that story. There's somebody else that, need, that needs to know there's a God who cares that can take any past mistake, any past damage, and he can say, behold, I make all things new. Can we pray this morning? around the room this morning I don't know where you're at with these three steps but I can tell you again that number one is owning it and being ready to change and that's repentance if God has shown you something if the Holy Spirit is, has, has quickened something to you this morning we believe that God is, is alive and, 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 and wanting to communicate with us uh, even in this moment. If you feel that there is something that is between you and God today and you're ready to move from remorse to repentance, 
I don't need to know what it is. But if, if you're ready to repent, would you raise your hand this morning? God wants to be close to you. I see those hands. He sees those hands. He says, come to me. When you repent from your sins, the Bible says that he is quick to forgive. It's already happened. Number two, remember. Is there something God wants you to do? Is there something that he wants to be a part of your life? I don't know what this is. It, it, it's a, is there something that has been on the shelf because you have considered yourself, you have disqualified yourself, you have thrown in the flag on yourself and said, nope, he's on the bench. God didn't do that. And so if you have repented for it, then God wants you to remember the call. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand where you're, where you're at. Respond to God. He's speaking to us this morning. See that hand. And that final step is, are you ready to return to the fight? Because the plans of the enemy, are, if he can't destroy us, then he's happy if we'll just sit on the bench. He's happy if we'll just stay parked and we won't engage for the, for the kingdom of God and we won't uh, build the, um, affect other people's lives and we won't keep moving forward in our own. He, we'll just kind of disqualify ourselves and leave ourselves out of the game. If you're ready to return to the fight this morning, would you raise your hand where you're sitting this morning? I see those hands. Father God, we are responding to you this morning. God, I thank you that your word says that if we will repent of our sins, God, and if we'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you immediately reinstate us, God, that you are so pleased to call us uh, your kids and to be our spiritual, our, be our dad again, God, and that you would continue to use us and fill us and to move us forward. God, we thank you that there is no failure, there is no damage, there is no mar, scratch, or, or ugly thing from our past that can keep us from walking into the future that you have for us. God, I thank you that everything is subject to the healing power of the cross. And God, I thank you that forgiveness is deep, God. There's nothing it can't overcome. We thank you, Jesus. Let's stand and sing our closing song this morning. If you've uh, made a decision for the Lord, if, you're, uh, if you've uh, been asked Jesus into your heart for the first time or it's been a long time, then we'd like to know that. Let us know through the Next Step Center. There'll be someone there to help you. If you're ready to be baptized, oh my gosh, pick the Sunday. We'll make it happen. We get crazy for that around here. And so we are all about people returning to God, returning to his family and the plans for his life. Uh, let's worship. There are people up front here that would be honored to pray with you this morning if you need that this morning. God bless.